We'll be looking at verses 21 through 34 this morning. Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 34. The point of this passage that we'll be looking into this morning is very clear. God makes His truth known to those who seek it. If you just have a casual approach to the truth and you're not really interested in learning about the truth, there's no guarantee that God is just going to drop it in your lap and say, here it is. But even worse, what about the know-it-all? We've all met Mr. Know-it-all, right? The person who walks into the room and immediately assumes, I am now the smartest person in the room. You try and interact with them, and you can't tell them anything that they don't know. And even if they really don't know it, they will bluster their way through to make it seem like they know it. They're annoying, aren't they? Because they're so arrogant. I had a friend who used to say, I only made one mistake. I thought I was wrong once and I wasn't. (laughs) And we've met people who are like that. But here's the issue. If you're a know-it-all, you're not teachable. You can't learn. And really, that's what Jesus was facing as he was dealing with some of the religious leaders of his day. They were spiritual, religious know-it-alls. So when Jesus spoke the truth to these know-it-alls, they wouldn't hear it. They wouldn't hear a word that he had to say. We saw in the text last week that Jesus began to speak to the know-it-alls and to the casual learners in parables. And the purpose behind it was twofold. Number one, it was a judgment against them. He was saying, if you wouldn't listen to clear teaching, then I'm going to give you some enigmatic teaching, and you're going to have to listen to that, and maybe that will spark your interest to where you'll at least come and ask questions. The issue that we find in this text is Jesus continues to speak in parables, but in this text, he talks about what's required to learn God's truth, and if you want to really learn God's truth, humility is the key to receiving it. When we come to the 21st verse, we find Jesus share with us another parable. And while he had been speaking to his closest disciples, sharing with them the interpretation of the parable of the soils, now as we come to verse 21, Jesus gives another parable, a parable about a lamp. And there's an important truth that we find in this parable. Hidden truth can only be revealed by God. Look at what Jesus says in this parable very carefully in verse 21. Do you bring a lamp to put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, you put it on its stand. For whatever is hidden is meant to be disclosed, and whatever is concealed is meant to be brought out into the open. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, what is Jesus saying by this parable. First of all, a little background about lamps. The lamps that they would use in the ancient Near East were very much like this. They had a reservoir of oil, and there was a wick that would come out of the oil, and they would light it. And what would happen is, uh, as we all understand, they didn't have lighters or matches in those days. 
So at night, rather than snuffing out the lamp, they might take the lamp and put it under a bowl so that they could sleep in the dark, or sometimes even under the bed so that it would be hidden and they wouldn't have it there to brighten the room while they were sleeping. But the purpose for the lamp was something else. The purpose for the lamp was to give light. So while temporarily it might be hidden, the real purpose was to spread light in the room. So what Jesus is saying in this parable is pretty profound. Jesus was temporarily speaking to people in parables. The meaning that Jesus was sharing was hidden. But the real purpose that Jesus had in coming was to reveal, just as one would take that lamp from under the bowl or under the bed and place it on a lampstand. Jesus wanted people to understand God's truth. But there was an issue at hand. The people who Jesus interacted with weren't ready to receive. They weren't ready to hear what Jesus would say. So he was saying it in different ways so that the people might humble themselves and come to him and listen to what he had to say. Now, what's really interesting about this verse is also this. Verse 21 is translated more literally in this way. This is from Wiest's New Testament translation. And it's a very literal translation of this verse. But notice what it says. He was saying to them, the lamp does not come, does it, in order to be placed under the peck measure or under the reclining couch. Now, here's the idea. When Jesus addressed them, he wasn't just talking about lamps in general. Lamps don't come. They're inanimate objects. They're brought. But what Jesus was comparing himself to was the lamp itself. And so Jesus was saying to them, look, I came to give light. I came to give revelation. When you bring a lamp into a dark room, what does it do? It reveals those things around it. It breaks through the darkness and its light reveals what is there. This was Jesus' purpose in coming. He came to reveal truth about God. He came to reveal God in the flesh Himself in the presence of these people. So Jesus, being compared to the lamp, he was saying, look, the purpose of the lamp isn't to be hidden. The purpose of the lamp is ultimately to reveal. And so Jesus was giving a promise for future revelation by this. He was saying, look, while some people may look at these things and say it's hidden, it will become clear, it will become evident. But the beauty of what Jesus was saying is this. Not only will it become evident, but it could become evident now. When Jesus spoke in parables, you know what it took to learn the meaning of the parable? Turning to Jesus, forgetting the idea that I know everything, nobody can tell me anything, or just being too lazy to really invest yourself in the study of what he was saying. It required a person setting aside self and listening to what God would say. And you know... That same truth is true for today. You want to know God's truth? You want to understand it? Embrace Jesus Christ, and he reveals his truth. John said it this way. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, but darkness has not understood it. As long as we insist on remaining in darkness... 
we'll never see the light. It will be hidden from us. Come to the light. Embrace the light. And things are revealed. For the people who were listening to Jesus' parables, only the disciples would come to him and say, what did you mean? For the religious leaders, they were looking and saying, well, it's just nonsense. Because I can't understand it, it can't be true. I am the standard for what is true and what is false. And if it's beyond my understanding, it's false. Isn't that arrogant? That's tremendously arrogant to say that I am the standard for right, wrong, truth, what have you. Who's to say that I'm the standard? Me. What happens when you have somebody else walk into the room who's also the smartest person in the room? And they're also the standard. You have an argument where there's no resolution. There's only one standard for right and truth, and that is God. As creator, as God, he is that one source of truth. So Jesus gave opportunity for people to hear truth. But for many it was hidden because they wouldn't come to the light. They wouldn't hear what Jesus had to say. They refused to do so. And as a result, they missed out. They did not have ears to hear. And so they couldn't hear. They missed and it was concealed to them when it was readily available, had they humbled themselves. And you know, I think the same thing goes on today. There are many of us who won't humble ourselves before God to see what He has to say, to listen to the very Word of God. We form our preconceived notions. We form our ideas about what is or isn't. And rather than humbly coming to the light and saying, God, what is true here? What what are you revealing in your word, in your truth? How can that affect my life? Rather than coming to God in that way, everything becomes confused and clouded and muddled. God gives us clarity in his word when we come with humble hearts, when we seek to know God's truth. So that was the first parable. But then we go on to verse 24. And when we come to verse 24, we find an important truth. Heeding God's truth gives us access to deeper truth. Now what do we mean by that? Suppose you start to come to the light. And you start to hear the revelation of God. And you start to say, yeah, you know, this really makes sense. This is truth. This is something that I'm beginning to understand. The wheels are starting to spin in the noggin. I'm starting to grasp what's being said. But then as you come to it, you disregard it. And you say, you know, there's really too much work involved in investing myself in this truth. So I'm just going to let it kind of stay where it is and not really do anything with it. You know what happens when we do that with God's truth and God's word? Nothing. It won't change us. 
We won't grow in our knowledge or our understanding. As a matter of fact, what I found is this. You can't stay stagnant in your relationship with the Lord. You will go backwards, not stay the same. And so, when we come to verse 24, Jesus says this, Consider carefully what you hear, he continued. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and even more. Now, the measure that Jesus was talking about wasn't a tape measure. I just had to throw something that had to do with measuring on the screen. The measure he was talking about was a scoop that would contain volume. And what he's saying is this. Look, if if you come with a thimble to learn what God has to say, you get a thimble worth of growth in your life. If you come with a bushel basket or a 55-gallon drum and say, I want as much as I can get, you'll get more out of God's truth. So when Jesus was talking to the people in terms of their personal investment, what he was saying very simply was, you get out of my teaching what you put into it. If you're just going to hear the words of the parable and immediately disregard it, then that's all you're going to get out of it. But if you hear the words of the parable and you go home and you ponder it and you think about it and you say, wow, you know, there's got to be something here. There's There's more than than, than right on the surface. So I need to ponder this and think it through. You know what happens? It piques your spiritual interest. You start to meditate on the truth of God. You start to consider the truth that God is sharing with you. And as a result, you want more. So you come back for more. And you get more. And you start to grow. And you go to the disciples. And you go to Jesus. And you say, hey, what is being said here? What are you teaching? And as a result, you grow and you change. And God's word has transformative power in your life. I've seen a lot of people who say, you know, the Bible doesn't really seem relevant to me. You know the problem? It isn't with the Bible. It's with what we've invested into the Bible. We're using a small measure to try and draw what God has in his resources for us to know and for us to learn. We need to use a measure that says, I want all I can get. I want to learn everything about God that I can learn so that I can grow as a result. Isn't it like that for most things in life? You know, when you go to the health club and you go for that week that you sign up and never go back again. (laughs) The measure that you use is the measure that you receive, right? When you buy something like exercise equipment for the house, the same thing. Got to use it, bought it. Nah, I'll hang laundry on it. Same thing. What you invest into it, you get out of it. We need to understand that that principle of sowing and reaping applies to spiritual things so much. God wants us to be people who use a large measure to get from God the truth, all the truth that we can. 
And then Jesus goes on to say something even more amazing, and I'll say this, a little bit disturbing. He shares with us in talking about this measure in verse 25, whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. Now, what is being said about God's truth in that 25th verse? If you have come to listen to God's truth, if you have come to learn how God has relevance in your life, how he can transform you, then God is going to work with you and he's going to change you and he's going to transform you and you're going to see God do awesome things in your life. You really are. If you already have that little, it will just grow. Because you're using that big measure, you're going to see God do relevant and great things in your life. However, if you come with that thimble or with nothing at all, then maybe the little bit of truth that you have grasped goes away. Maybe you'll even lose interest in the little that you had at that point. God wants us to understand that it is essential for us to have that heart that desires to know Him, that desire to grow in our relationship with Him. There's no guarantee that if you say, I am no longer interested in spiritual things, that at a later date, you'll become interested in spiritual things. We're given opportunities. And sometimes, those opportunities cease to present themselves. So it's a warning to us. Don't assume that when I get ready to turn things around, God is just up in heaven wringing His hands, waiting on me. Saying, oh, I hope they change. We can be a judgment against ourselves to where our disinterest hardens our heart and causes us to continue to turn away. It's a staunch warning that we need to consider. Now, let's also consider this. Hearers need parables explained by the Lord in order to grasp them. For just a moment, I'd like to bounce down to the 33rd verse. And here in the 33rd verse, Mark makes a comment about those who had come to hear the Lord. And this is his comment. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. And then look at the last part of that passage. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything. Again, the hidden aspect of Jesus' teaching is brought out by this statement. We have two parables that talk about it. But now this comment that Mark makes right at the end of this passage shares with us that while many people heard the words that Jesus, Jesus was saying, not everyone understood the meaning of what Jesus was saying. And again, it was that personal investment. The know-it-alls and those who were saying, I don't want to invest the thought necessary to hear what Jesus has to say got nothing out of what Jesus said. Very little. But the disciples, the followers, the ones who used the big measure, when they came to Jesus, they got a lot 
They were able to understand. They were able to grasp the truth that Jesus was sharing because Jesus opened it up for them. He took the time to talk with them and to tell them what he really meant by what he was saying. Everything that they had to ask was answered as they opened their hearts to Jesus. And you know that same thing again is true for today. Nobody promises that the Christian life is going to be easy. Nobody promises that we'll be able to just sort of float through and kind of by the seat of our pants be a follower of Jesus and do it when it's convenient. It takes commitment and effort. Now that's not what brings us into a relationship with God, but let me say this, this is what deepens our fellowship with God. Effort never brings you into that relationship. It's a free gift that God gives. But if you want to deepen in that relationship with him, it takes effort and commitment to know and understand and develop in your faith. And frankly, sometimes we either get distracted or lazy when it comes to deepening that relationship. And if we're distracted or lazy, we miss out. That's what Jesus was sharing with us in this passage. Now back to the parables. When we go back to the 26th verse, we find Jesus begin to share with us parables about the kingdom. And when we come to the 26th verse, he gives a parable about a growing seed. Notice the 26th verse says this. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day. Whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows. And though he does not know how, all by itself, the soil produces grain, first the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts it to the sickle because the harvest has come. Any of you do much planting? Some of you do, I know. And for those of us who are novices, when I was a very young kid, I decided to try a garden, planted the seed. And I'd watch Jack and the Beanstalk. I know how it's supposed to go down. You plant the seed, and the next day there's a big plant there, right? So I planted the seed, and I go out, day one, dirt. You know, day two, day three, day four, dirt. Nothing. And after a couple of weeks, a little sprig comes out of the ground. Now, I could go to that seed, and I could say, grow! Come on, man! I could water it. You know what happens if I overwater it? It dies. I could keep pulling it out of the ground to see in progress. And you know, your roots are yet and putting it back in. What happens? Nothing. I stunt its growth. What do you do? You put the seed in the ground. You make the conditions as good as you can, and then you leave it alone. And that's what Jesus is saying in this parable pertaining to the kingdom of God. That ultimately the kingdom of God comes about not because of the efforts of man, but because of the plan of God. See, the plan of God for the seed is that it's planted, it germinates, and grows. The farmer can't do anything to change that. He can't speed it along. He can 
certainly slow it down, but he can't speed it up. He has to be patient and trust that the seed will grow as it's supposed to. Now, why would Jesus give this parable concerning the kingdom of God? You know, for us as believers, we can share the truth about God with others. And sometimes it's just like that little kid that keeps going back to the dirt and we don't see anything happening and we're wondering, oh man, what's going on? What we can't see is it's all going on under the surface. It may not be right up there out front where we're seeing it, but because we don't see it, it doesn't mean it's not going on. We have to understand that things unfold in God's time, according to God's plan, in God's way. And he doesn't have to consult with us. He doesn't have to come and ask our opinion, or or am, am I moving quickly enough here in this? Is this okay with you? God doesn't have to do that. That's true with everything in life, but it's certainly true with the kingdom of God. Now, the kingdom of God, what is it? The kingdom of God is God's reign on earth. And ultimately, that reign will have the visible presence, the actual physical presence of Jesus Christ here on earth, reigning. We look forward to that part of the kingdom of God when he returns. But until then, because we don't see the kingdom of God and its workings, does that mean that we look and say the kingdom of God isn't coming, it isn't happening? When we look and we say things aren't happening as quickly as I would like to see them, does that mean that we should get discouraged? No, it means that we are patient that we endure, that we await the unfolding of God's plan. So when Jesus gives this illustration of the farmer, he's talking about us and how we wait for the kingdom of God to come and that it comes ultimately because of God's work, not because of mine. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that the kingdom of God comes because of God and not me. If the kingdom of God were dependent on me, we would be in great trouble. And let me let you in on a secret. Same goes for you. It's not the work of man. It's the work of God. But when you look at it so much of what God does, well, everything that God does, that's true of it. Think of this passage where Paul gives us perspective in 1 Corinthians What after all is Apollos and what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything but only God who makes things grow. All the work in ministry, all the things that we do for the kingdom of God, We're blessed to do them, aren't we? It's a privilege to serve God in this way. But you know what? It's not dependent on us. It's dependent on God. We have the privilege of being used by God. We have the privilege of engaging and serving Him, but it doesn't benefit God. 
And it doesn't really benefit his kingdom because if we don't do it, someone else will. It's dependent on God. But if you want the blessing of being a part of it, open your heart. Listen to the truth of God and engage in that kingdom work. This, I think, was a challenge to those who would see their world come apart when Christ was crucified as his disciples. And it was a reminder to them that God is the one who unfolds his plan. And you know, that principle expands into so many things in our life. There are things that you're going to look at and you're going to say, I was faithful, I served in this, I did this, and I don't see any results. You know what? You don't have to. God's the one that measures the results. And God can be doing things under the radar, under the surface that you'll never see, that you'll never begin to realize. When I was doing my sister's wedding, a fellow came up to me who was in her bridal party and said, hey, Rob, you remember me? No. He said, I was in a dormitory and you sat down and shared the gospel with me and I trusted Christ as my Savior. I had no idea. This was five years later. I thought, okay, chalk it up to another no <laughs> and moved on. But he remembered. And God gave me a glimpse in that moment to see what God had done. It's amazing how God works. God does awesome things under the radar, under the surface. And it's the work of God. That's what brings about the kingdom of God. One final parable. Huge things come from very small starts. The parable of the mustard seed. When we come to verse 26, he says this. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. And all by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel. Excuse me, I'm reading the wrong one. Verse 30. Again, he said, <laughs> what shall we say the kingdom of God is like, or the parable shall we use to describe it? Now I'm on the right one. It's like a mustard seed, which is the smallest seed you can plant in the ground. Yet when planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants with such big branches that the birds of the air can perch in its shade. Another parable that illustrates the kingdom of God, and this one's about the mustard seed. Now, the mustard seed is small. It's amazingly small. As a matter of fact, as I was reading about mustard seeds, that's an exciting read, by the way, it takes 20,000 of them to weigh one ounce. That is some small seed and some light seed. Now, some people take this passage and say, oh, now, wait a minute. We know that the mustard seed isn't the smallest of all seeds. And that wasn't Jesus' point. Jesus' point was this. That's one of the smallest seeds that they plant in Palestine. Okay? Jesus knew that. But what he is sharing with us is this. Big things come from small starts. Think about the kingdom of God as it pertains to Jesus. In a manger, in a small insignificant town, 
called Bethlehem, born to a young couple, Jesus Christ. Obscure, unknown. And yet, this is the very Son of God. And he dies on the cross and raises again and will rule the entire world. Starting small, ending huge. The kingdom of God continues to build and grow. And we need to understand that even though this mustard seed is small when it starts, look at what it becomes. It's a mustard plant in the ancient Near East right there. 15 feet tall, sometimes four inches thick at the stalk. Birds come and roost in its branches. It's an amazing plant. But what a great illustration of God's kingdom. God's kingdom will continue to grow until it fulfills the purpose that God has. And we are privileged to be part of it. Now, when the parable talks about the birds that come and roost in the branches, there are many uh, ideas by theologians as to what that means. I personally think it just means that the plant is so stout and so sturdy that birds can come and roost in the branches. But there are some who say that it could even refer to those who are blessed by the kingdom of God and who benefit from its growth and its strength. And that's a possibility. But the thrust of the parable is certainly this. The kingdom of God, while it may be hidden, while it may seem to not be growing and working and progressing by our own observation, ultimately, it's a thing of wonder and beauty. That's the way we need to view the kingdom of God. Sometimes we're going to see God work and we're going to say, wow, I can't believe what God is doing. And then sometimes we're going to look and we're going to say, I don't see where God's doing anything right now. I'm kind of hurt and frustrated. The same God. He's working. We just have to have faith and trust that even though we may not understand it or see it, God's work will be done. That's an encouragement. And that's what I would like to leave with you today. You can see God work in your life by what you invest in it. And as you serve him faithfully, as you serve the kingdom, you can understand that God's work is going to unfold by God's power, not your own. Sometimes it's going to be evident, sometimes not so much, but it's all God's work. Our responsibility to wait, to watch, to endure. I encourage you to do that this morning. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this text.